Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and excited to have with me today Dr. Andrew Hahn. And he is a licensed clinical psychologist and founder of Life Centered Therapy. So, welcome. Thanks, Terry. It's a total joy having just had a chance to talk to you, even for a few seconds, and reading your website. I think you're a gift. So thank oh, you. thank you. Well, you certainly have been a gift in my life just for the, you know, the past 10 minutes that we've, we've connected and, and gotten to know one another. And thank you for, um, yeah, for helping, th- helping me through a moment. Um, so talk to us about uh, life-centered therapy and um, what it is you do. Um, there's a couple ways to talk about it. First, I could start by talking about life, but or second, I could talk about healing trauma. And um, I'll try to do both. But let me start with why people go to healing, because I think that would be very useful for people maybe as a starting place. And then we'll talk about, if you like, why we call it life-centered therapy, because it's a life-centered therapy. So I think people go for healing for only one reason. You know, I don't care what you call it. You could call it chronic back pain that no one knows why it's there or autoimmune disease or depression or anxiety or bad relational patterns or alienation. And I'd say it's only one thing. It's an invitation to remember something that couldn't be handled or something that couldn't be taken in stride. So when you can take everything in stride and you know everything is just something that's happening to you, but it isn't who you are, you're free. So I think the reason people come to therapy is there's something that they couldn't handle and integrate or couldn't be handled and integrated. That's it. So I think suffering and trauma are the same thing. And trauma, I don't define the way that most people define it. I just define it as anything that can't be handled and integrated. And, uh, you know, most people think of it as something horrific, but sometimes something happens that's so good you can't handle it. And then it turns not to pulling away from something, but craving. And so it's, and I would say, if you have the most horrific, you know, ritual abuse, or, you know, one day your parent looked at you funny and it was so unusual, if you couldn't handle it, it's just a quantitative difference, okay? So that's what I think people come to therapy for. That's why I think people come. And I think they're coming to remember who they are and they've split off a part of themselves. And they then you live it. So what's therapy? Therapy is simply mastering what you could, what couldn't be handled and integrated. And when you've mastered it, it just means that it no longer runs your life. And now I'm going to tell you how you do it, which is very simple to tell, which I just showed you. Whenever there is something that can't be handled, in that moment, a sensation is born. So when we were talking before, you said heavy heart, right? So I would say it wasn't Terry that was anxious. It was heavy heart. Heavy heart's its name. It's not my heavy heart. It's heavy heart, just like you're not heavy heart's my Terry. It's an independent being with a life of its own. And just like you, it was born in a moment. And just like you, it's been living. And it's here right now. And so if you choose to become heavy heart, while you simultaneously choose to be the one who's choosing to become heavy heart and witnessing and holding it, you no longer identify with it. You identify with the one who's holding heavy heart and you face the thing you couldn't handle because you've chosen to be heavy heart. And if you wanna know in one minute what healing is, that's it. So what I would say to you is every time you have a discomfort, 
in my way of thinking about things, it's a story that couldn't be handled. Now, of course, if you're shot, then your body can't handle it, but you'll still be, you know, unless you can handle it, at which point all you'll have is the pain of the shot, but there'll be nothing else, right? So I would say, if I was gonna tell your audience one thing, whenever you have a sensation, instead of saying, I hate you and I wanna get rid of you and I'm gonna take a pill, say, okay, you're a gift. I don't understand it yet. And right now I don't like you very much, but you're a gift. And what I'm gonna choose to do is become you. Just by focusing my attention on you so much, it's like I'm choosing to become you, whether it's heavy heart or pain in little toe or tight chest or nausea, whatever it is, you're gonna choose to become it. And whenever there's something that you're suffering about and suffering means you're reactive, it means you're judgmental. It means you're comparing yourself with other people. It means you compulsively need to understand, like, why did you do this to me? Right? We just talked about that one. Right? So you can't just be here. So whenever you're reactive, I will guarantee you, if you spend a moment and you scan your body, you'll notice a sensation. And it isn't you that's reactive. It's the sensation because nothing is happening to Terry right now. And all you're going to do is then say, okay, I'm going to choose to become you. And when I choose to become you, you'll share your story. And you'll even tell me what you need if just sharing your story while I'm here with you, like holding you and hosting you or witnessing you, isn't enough. And in a nutshell, that's all we need to do to heal. Okay? Wow. So that's, that's, that's the deal. And anybody can do it. And if you want to do your own healing and you do nothing else, every time you had a sensation, if you focused on the sensation, I guarantee something will transform. And every time you're reactive in any way, if you scanned your body, brought your attention there and say, what have you come to share with me? I guarantee you something really good will happen. Much better than talking about it. Yeah. You'll be in the immediacy of what the one who really is in it and you'll be in a relationship with them so you won't identify with them anymore. Now I'll tell you what happens when you don't do that. Can I ask a question quickly? Sure. Yeah, ask anything you like. Does this have to be done in the moment or is it something that, and, and I ask this because I live on an island. Mm -hmm. um, the only phobias, um, panic-inducing triggers that I wasn't able to get over was driving on highways and driving over bridges. Well, I live on an island, so I get driving over bridges. I have panic attacks. So obviously I can't go into, in the middle of driving over a bridge, um, I'll wreck the car. I'll drive off the bridge. Um, is it something that, that someone can think about and not necessarily be in the moment to, to work up through that? Of course, that's why you go to therapy so to speak. I mean, nothing's happening in the moment, right? But I, all I have to do, let's say you came in and you said, um, you know what? I have panic attacks when I go over highways. Okay. Let's suppose. All right. So I can find out if it's fully available to you, which invariably it would be. And then all I would do is say, Terry, all you need to do right now is notice what happens in your body right now while you're fully experiencing and imagining driving over that bridge. And believe me, you'll be able to do it because it's here right now. It reveals itself to you when you drive over the bridge, but it doesn't go away when you're not driving over the bridge. You're not just paying attention. It's always here. Okay. Now, you've already given us a clue to what's going on, right? Because everything you say is part of the process and everything is literal. So my intuitive hit would be, but you'd find out for yourself, because all I would have to do if you want to find out, right? Well, you have two stories about it, I think, if that's okay. If you want to find out what it is, all you would have to do is say, all right, right now, what I'm going to do is let myself experience and imagine what it's like when I'm driving over that bridge. And you already have a clue, which is because everything you say is literal, right? So you already know that it's likely going to be a story where you drove off a bridge or fell off a bridge or jumped off a cliff or something. And it's really most likely to be something where you drove off it, right? And then we only need to know one thing. So like you might be able to get there directly, right? 
All you'd have to then know is if it's a story about going off a bridge, you probably died, but I could find that out for you. And if you died going over that bridge, you're going to reenact it over and over and over again. You're going to subconsciously, without awareness, bring it back to you. That's called the law of attraction. We attract to ourselves what we need in order to heal and evolve, even if it isn't exactly uh, what we might call um, ego enhancing, right? So I would say life is inviting you to be with whoever it is that's driving over that bridge. And all you would have to do is say, okay, when I'm driving over the bridge, what happens? And you might be able to do that directly, or, but you might not be able to do it directly because it may never have occurred to you that it happened in what we might call a past life, whether it's karmic, which means you were reincarnated from somebody. If you believe that, if you don't believe that, I would just say it's like your personal myth or it's like play therapy or an undreamed dream. But you could work in this lifetime for a long time on driving off that bridge. And I'll tell you, you wouldn't find anything but echoes. You're not finding where it originated because it's going to originate in the past life. And then I can find out for you whether it's genealogical or which would mean it was one of your ancestors, like, right. you know, drove off a bridge um, yeah. or something. I've heard okay. that before. And, and, you know, I started thinking about it and my palms got sweaty and my thighs started tingling, which is normally the reactions as is, is, is my, is my anxiety starts to heighten. Um, well, so, you yeah. have right now, if you wanted to, if you wanted to spend our time this way, you could just do this and you get a good result. All you would do is choose to bring all your attention to sweaty palms and tingling thighs if you want to. Right. And you would just say, what have you come to share with me? What's okay. happening to you? Where are you beginning? Go for it. So I just do, I ask out loud? No, you just bring your attention there. And okay. anything that comes to you, you might start feeling like you are the person or the being, it might not even be a person, or an image might come to you like a movie, or you might just get a felt sense. So we'll just okay. say, what have you come to share with us about this driving off a bridge? And just tell me whatever comes. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, like an older bridge in an older car with a big steering wheel. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, almost like and the 20s. I don't know why I say the 20s. Not because it's right. Go ahead. Keep your eyes closed. Um, okay. Older bridge, older car, and it's like I'm in the 1920s and what's next? Yeah. And then Keep I just, and then I, I had an experience of darkness, like very pitch blackness. That's right. That's right. But my hands aren't sweaty anymore. That's right. And the tingling has moved down my legs. <laughs> Right now, stay with it, and now into my feet. That's right, and then almost like a calm. That's right, stay with it. There's like a calm now, and Yeah, it's just very calm and quiet. Yes. And nothing more is really coming. That's right. Interesting that I feel pulled to the right, yet I want to avoid going to the right. That's right. Exactly. Almost like I want, like I want to veer right, but I don't, I wonder if something came at me. Stay with that. And I had to veer right mm -hmm. in order to not get hit head on, That's but right. veering right led to my death. That's right. Stay with that. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah, I had to choose between death and death. That's right. You had to choose between death and death. That's right. Oh my gosh. And this is bringing me back to current life where I had to choose between death and death in the bank robberies. That's right. That's like reliving. 
exactly that's likely in the video. There was a man to my right with a gun pointed at me and I had to choose to run to the left where the gun was firing. I had guns on both sides of me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like a repetition of trauma. <laughs> That's right. It's like a repetition of trauma. Nothing new happened there. You were just trying to remember this story about what happened at that bridge. Wow. That was your part of what you think was fate. Yeah. It really was on one level destiny, but on a personal level, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Shoot, my hands are tingly and my feet are tingly. Yeah. I did see some headlights coming at me on a truck. That's right, there are headlights, that's right, really strong. There are headlights in a truck, that's right. Were there headlights in the 20s? Sure. I don't know. Particularly if you're driving at night. Wow, that was powerful. Am I done? Yeah. I'm sorry, I stopped. <laughs> no, you're not quite done. Um, but um, I can get you to be a little bit more done, okay? I want you to notice something. You're in this calmness. Okay, close your eyes again. Now, what I want you to find out from me, I'll just ask you, did you know for sure you're dead? You're in this blackness. Do you know for sure you're dead? I do not know for sure if I'm dead. So here's your problem, okay? Your problem is, you could say, in language, you would understand. You dissociated right before you died. Does that make sense? You didn't want to feel all this. And that's why you didn't know you had died. Does that make sense? Yes. Part of you left the body, then the body died, then you were kind of stuck. That's why you created on your side, on your side, what happened at that bank robbery, which on another level had zero to do with you because there were many other forces happening simultaneously that were creating that. Does that make sense? Yes. Because you hadn't known you had died. Let me see. I don't have to give any of your final thoughts. So here's what I want you to do. So now you know something that that person didn't know, that part of that person didn't know, which is that they died. Do you understand? So yeah. that's the problem. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to call all the parts back. You're going to do your own shamanic work, but everybody can do it. Just choose to call all the parts back and they'll just come back because you who is the one who's the witness chooser can do it. It just didn't know. So you want to choose to have them all come back into your body and then let yourself fully die. You do not have to feel the pain of it. You just have to let yourself in the moment of death, you're going to let yourself fully die. And this time you're going to, with, by choice and consciousness, just leave the body behind by leaving through the crown of your head. And tell me when that feels complete. Shoo, my legs got crazy tingly again. Maybe I was yeah. trapped. Uh, try definitely. You were trapped. You know what it feels like to be trapped in your life? Oh my gosh, almost across my thighs. Yeah. Yeah, for whatever reason, that person is not wanting to let go. Or yeah. maybe I'm not wanting to let go of her. Well, that could be. I'm all fine. Well, let's just say they don't know they're going to a better place. <laughs> We're going to tell them because for our purposes, we can say there's no unfinished business and we don't have to know. We could spend more time with this, but we don't have to know any more of their story or their final thoughts or choices as they are dying like that, okay? But they just don't know. I mean, of course, they died, so they're thinking about a lot of things as they're dying, which if you want to find out, won't be very hard. Um, and would inform you some about well, some of the things that have happened in your lifetime, actually. So go ahead. Yeah. I can feel but still a sense of holding on. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now here's what you're going to do. All right. Close your eyes again. Now, all you need to know is, and we're going to share this with the person who's holding on, which is not you, it's them, that there's the, holding on is not going to do any good because you're dead. 
You just have to know your dad. And you're going to go to a much better place anyway. And we know that you're going to come back anyhow, because in one way, we could say whoever you are in 1920s, you're sitting here right now also. It's just a different version. So what I want to invite you to do, you're going to do this for them, is you're going to just choose to let go. And you are you, them, oh. and all of them. And all you're going to do is just let go and leave that body because the body is, you're trapped there and it's dying and you're in terror. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can let it all go. Just leave through the crown of your head. Just choose to and let yourself die. You're going to a better place, believe me. They did. And all I can say is, holy shit. Holy shit, right. Okay, they've let go now. Now. You ought to be able to, and don't look down because you want to let that go. You want to, in your imagination, look up, okay? And you ought to be able to see light. Just tell me when you see it. I do. Now, just go to the light. You don't even need anyone to guide you. It's there. Just go to it. It's like you can do it just with your consciousness, just with attention, until it sort of embraces you and become the light. And when you are the light, just say out loud, I am the light with all your conviction. I can see it. Now just go to it. It's your birthright. It's home. Just go there. I am the light. Hmm. Good. Oh, it's stronger. Yeah. Very pure white light. Well. Yeah. Wow. But my palms are sweaty. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, well, why don't you see if it's a different sweaty than it was 15 minutes ago? It is a different sweaty. Yeah. How would you characterize the difference? Almost like a release sweaty. Yeah, like like after a really good workout. Exactly. This is wow. Fun. Yeah. You worked it out, you see? You worked out. It That's is. wild. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's what I do every hour. Yeah, powerful. So is this it part of you know life-centered therapy? Is that do you work people through these releases and um yeah, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. What I do is you come and you say something. You know, Andy, I get panicked when I go over bridges. Andy. I want to be able to finish my book, but something's stopping me from doing it. And then I'm going to find out three things, which I do through muscle testing or kinesiology. I find out always first if you know what's most important, but if you don't know what's most important, I'll find out for you by muscle testing remotely, surrogately, which, do you know muscle testing? Um, Someone has talked about it once before on the podcast, yes. I think it's a gift from God, so I'll tell you about it in a little while. Yes. We have to find your true intention, right? And it may be what you come in with, like, I'm terrified of going off a bridge, so then it's a direct line. Or it might say they want you to know that a part of you, they might want you to focus on, in this case, you wouldn't have needed to, um, a part of you that was experiencing I want to die. And in that case, it would have been experiencing I want to die because it never experienced dying. So you would feel the way you would feel it is I want to die. And then you'd say, Andy, I'm not aware of ever wanting to die. And then I'd say, well, that can show up in five ways. It can show up in your head, right? That would be a suicidal thought, right? It could show up in your heart. That would be depression. Those are the only two people are aware of. The third one is your relationship either illnesses or your relationship with the world. So you say, Andy, I don't want to die, but I nearly died in a robbery. I nearly got drowned. I nearly got killed. And I'd say, did it ever occur to you that you're trying to master something about oh. death? Yeah. And um, typically the thing you're trying to master about death, just as you found, um, isn't in this lifetime. But sometimes it is, but then then something so bad was happening that you would literally want to die or um, under certain circumstances with certain parents, you might believe that in order to get their love, I have to be dead. I can find all that out in a couple of seconds. But, you know, a lot of people start off with with parts that want to die because the part that wants to die certainly doesn't want it wants to die. It doesn't want to live. It wants to die. And so it will affect you and you'll keep living it out and coming close to having accidents and having 
having to veer off one direction because you're going to die if you go in the other, but you're going to go and die. And then you'll say, this makes no sense. But of course, if you open to a bigger meaning, if you open to life and life's trying to reveal it to you, what you need to heal and evolve and what life needs to have happen so that it can heal and evolve, you'll find it. So you could say every one of those dense energies is just stuck life. And you to life are kind of like stuck life. And the second you can say yes to everything, life has held you, but you're also helping life because life can't do one thing. It can't have relationships because if you're everything, you can be infinite, but you're still kind of limited. So if you want more love, you have to go and say, well, you need two or more. So we have to create something that feels like it's separate. And then if it can remember who it truly is. Yeah, I love what you just said about saying yes to everything. I'm a huge Wayne Dyer fan, Dr. Wayne Dyer fan. And I remember reading something, it may have been in like, change your thoughts, change your life. But it was something along the lines of, say yes to the universe, say yes to God, say yes to whatever is coming towards you. Because um, yeah, there's a, there's a lesson to be learned. There's um, it, it's, be, it's coming to you for a reason. And so I've, I've really tried. I mean, every now and then I'm like, no, <laughs> but I really have tried. And it's, it's made a difference in my life by saying yes more. Well, we have an exemplar, you know, if you're Christian, I mean, like right before he was crucified, you know, Jesus is an exemplar is screaming, why have you forsaken me, right? He's not saying yes to life, right? He's still as an exemplar in a trauma structure. And then something shifts and he gains awareness. And he suddenly says, it's the point, it's not the problem. Life right now needs a sacrifice. And it needs life. There's so much bigger forces than me as the individual Jesus. So it's exactly what I'm supposed to be attracting. And the only difference then between Christ and everybody else is he says, forgive them because they're blind. The only difference between me and them right now is I see what they don't see. And all I want to invite people into is being to say, I can just take anything in stride, you know, whatever comes. And if you don't get in the way, then life evolves and it evolves. And then you feel really alive, even if you think you might die that day. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. Yes. It's, it's, uh, yeah. But it is beautiful. I, I told you right before we hit record, I had gotten some news. And so I had texted my two older sons and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you, um, you know, sometime in the next few hours, if you both have a second. Um, I got some news today that was disheartening. And um, I just want to talk to you in person about it. Um, but you know your mom, I, I'll cry about it for a few minutes, and then I'm going to say, all right, this is what's happening, I accept it, and how do I move forward, and where do I go with it? So, yeah, I well, say yes to it. Well, the way really to say yes to it, from my point of view, is to first experience it in the body, because otherwise you're saying yes to it, ultimately is a little bit more of mind just, as opposed to mind-body. So whenever there's something that you get that bit of news and you say, oh my God, I'm reactive. The first thing I'd invite you to do if you really wanna say, I can be with this, right? Saying yes to it just means I won't be reactive. I may not like it, but I won't judge it, right? Or I won't compare myself to everybody else and say, why is this happening to me, but not to them? Or do you have to do this to me again? I haven't I suffered enough? Right. Or, why did you do this to me? I need to understand. I said that there are three ways that we get reactive. We become judgmental, we become comparative, or we compulsively need to understand. It's called the belly, the heart, and the head. And each of them can get stuck. So we believe something that isn't true. We won't let ourselves feel what's really there. And we uh, lose mastery over what is, what comes in and what goes out. And when you feel it in the body, you get everything. And otherwise, even if you say yes to it, you don't fully say yes to it. Right. So if I wanted to tell people one thing, unless it's something that's happening right now, which in your case, I don't think it is, just like you know, when you're the bank robbery, people could work with you on that bank robbery for a long, long time and you get a result but it wouldn't be the best result because it was just an echo of something else that was worse. And we know it was worse because you didn't die in the bank robbery this time. But when you were going over that bridge, you died. Yeah. 
And what you'll invariably find is I found the most amazing things. I had a woman who had the worst case. I mean, she was, she had ritual abuse, like you read about, like, you know, when she was, uh, you know, uh, toddler, she was forced to watch people have their limbs ripped off. It was all documented. Oh, no. and she watched people get killed and she was yeah. forced to do terrible things. And she'd been in therapy for 15 years. And she had been in good therapy for 15 years, not so body centered. And then I found out that she still had a lot of symptoms. And it turned out that her symptoms were related to a horrific death from another lifetime, which she thought she had never considered that because she said, have I got enough in this lifetime? I said, well, no, because it just is trying to help you remember something else so you could say yes to even something that in your experience is going to be worse. And I will tell you that she found, she went to another lifetime and she found something that subjectively for her was worse than what happened when she was, you know, this young child in this lifetime. And her symptoms all went away. Wow. See, to me, I, I did four years of EMDR therapy and I know we were going to talk a little bit about talking about EMDR, but we, t we just kept going back and back and back and back, you know, over and over. I did 98 sessions and um, it really did help me process so much of that trauma, especially when I dissociated as a child. But mm -hmm. um, I knew there were things we just weren't getting to. And my therapist, I adored her. And she even said, I, I just don't know what else we can do. We, for whatever reason, you're just so blocked on this. We can't get to it. Um, and the bridges was well, one of them. Look, the thing is, why I call it life-centered therapy is you have to open to everything. Yeah. Right? You have to open to all possibilities of what the problem could be. So if you don't open to the possibility that in another lifetime you had a horrendous death, how are you going to find it? Right. Right. Yeah. You're not going to find it. If you don't we open did. to the possibility, you didn't, of course not. That's why EMDR is wonderful and in my experience limited. And people do a lot of sessions with EMDR, which I have great respect for. And I actually use it sometimes if through accessing your deepest wisdom, your deepest wisdom says the very best thing this being could do right now is EMDR. Then we'll do it as an intervention. But I'd say like, you know, I would say for that being going to the light was a better intervention than doing EMDR because the problem wasn't the trauma. The problem was the traumatic death. The problem wasn't really that you freaked out so much when the thing was coming to you, it said. I checked. It's more the fact that you got stuck there dying and you couldn't get out. And that everything is going to seem like a choice between death and death. And everything is going to be like, I'm trapped someplace and I can't get the hell out of here. Yeah. And you play out the whole thing without awareness until you become aware. And then suddenly it doesn't matter so much anymore. It's not a big deal. So, yeah. But that's why. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, there's a part of me that almost feels like, and I don't know if this is me projecting, but um, like that person that that died and had been trapped going over the bridge felt like they were they were going to hell instead of heaven because of life choices. And so that's why they were almost clinging on or not moving on. Yeah. Um, well, you can revisit a life more than one time. I just... You know, you can only do so much in 10 minutes. Yeah, right, right. It just what, what I found out was there was more for you to learn in that lifetime, but it wasn't the right time right now. Because, yeah. You know, yeah, fascinating. Oh, my gosh. It's just. But so I'll tell you, I'll be really interesting for you. I will bet if you ever get yourself to go over a bridge again, you won't be quite as reactive. Yeah. And I could be wrong. You know, I'd be skeptical if I were you. But, you know, I've done this for 28 years, so I'm not so skeptical because I've seen things like that where people said, there's no way I'm ever going to go over a bridge. And then they find out why and then they transform it. And then suddenly they're saying, I should be like in terror going over this bridge because I'm going to die. But I don't believe it anymore. And I don't feel that way. And my heart isn't beating quite as fast, you know, even if I have to do something about the habit. And, but that's not hard to do. The key right. is to find out. You have to find out what the real intention is right? A traumatic death in this case, which you could get to pretty easily. Sometimes you can't. And you have to find out where it originated because everything after that is like living with an echo of it. So if it's like, it's like cutting a dandelion on the stem as opposed to at the root. It doesn't do as good a job. And then you have to find out if whoever that being is, if they need something other than just sharing their story in a very high vibrational field, like 
EMDR or EFT or what I did with you called frontal occipital holding or a light practice or some kind of prayer or whatever it is they might need. And invariably, I can tell you stories of people not having any idea on a conscious level what they needed and then they get the most amazing revelations about what that person needs. And when they do it, worlds open up. Yes, wonderful. That's what I do. Very cool. All right, so is there anything you wanna to steer towards and talk about, feeling moved to talk about? Yeah, what I wanna say is we have to remember, we have to hold two things at once. You know, you're in that bank robbery and you think you're gonna die and it's horrific. And you know, you need to be held by someone who says, oh my God, it's so understandable. And yeah, you only cried for three minutes. So you like, I mean, you nearly died, you know? So that's the first thing. But the second thing is that on some level, maybe on a level we'll never understand because we may never be the Buddha or Christ or whatever, there is some meaning. There is some reason that this is happening, even if it has very little to do with you personally. Very yeah. little. Sometimes it has mostly to do with you personally, but sometimes it has to do with something entirely that, you know, you're, it's like, you know, you're representing women or something or women who are traumatized who say, I'm going to make it in the world no matter what, you know. But, you know, I was telling you before, sometimes the, the, um, The problem isn't direct. I'll tell you what I mean. Let's give you a different example. I like this example. I've used it before, but it's, you know, I, I, I remember sessions like dreams, you know, I've done like thousands and thousands and I remember like, you know, 15 of them. But let me give you an example. Let's suppose you're in my office and a motorcycle backfires, you have a panic attack, right? Let's suppose, kind of like you just right did now, sort of like when we talked about the bridge. And let's say it's direct, then it's pretty easy because then if we start with the sound, we might easily get back to the fact that, you know, you were in Afghanistan 10 years ago and you may have repressed the whole thing and a bomb went off near you and, um, you know, you couldn't handle it. You couldn't take it in stride. So when the motorcycle backfires, you're still living, you're still that soldier. And all you do when you choose to become the sensation is saying, I'm not identified with the soldier. I'm choosing to identify with the soldier while I am really the one who's there with that soldier. And then you're free. But let me give you a different example. Same symptom, right? You're in my office, motorcycle backfires, you have a panic attack, okay? But this time, I'm gonna tell you a different story. So 40 years ago, or maybe in World War I, since we have you in the 1920s, we'll put you in the 1919s. And let's suppose you're not a soldier, but you're the leader of soldiers, right? And let's suppose you're not paying enough attention and you walk them into an ambush and the bombs start going off and you watch them die and shrapnel hits your foot and a lot of other things, okay? And you come in and think you're wanting to come to me for your reactions to loud sounds but that would no longer be the problem. That would be the symptom of something that's a deeper problem called I betrayed a trust, right? Betrayal, right? And if you found the sensation associated with betrayal, it wouldn't be exactly the same session, sensation that you found by re your reactivity to the loud sounds. And if you found the betrayal and you said, oh my God, I know what's happening. I'm a soldier, I can see myself, it's the 1910s this time, and I'm a soldier and I'm not paying enough attention and I walk them into an ambush, right? And they're all dying. And there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Okay. Then you'd come to me and you'd think you're coming to me for the sounds, but you might be coming to me for this betrayal, right? And then what I find out when you transform that betrayal and this was the only reason for this, your reactivity, which it typically is not, because usually it's like an archaeological thing, but let's suppose it was. And let's say you didn't mention to me your OCD, right? Because you, you wanted to come for your panic attacks, but you didn't mention OCD and you have this belief, you know, if I, do, if I don't pay enough attention, I do something wrong, something terrible is going to happen, right? And let's suppose that every time you have the opportunity to put yourself into a position of leadership, you shoot yourself in the foot, so to speak. And let's suppose when you say, I shoot myself in the foot, you actually say, you know, this is very interesting, Andy, because, you know, a rock fell in my foot and no one knows why I have chronic pain there because it happened, you know, seven years ago when I was in my 
mid twenties, but I still have chronic pain and nothing is getting it to go away. Right. And you might say, you know, the other thing that's really weird is, you know, when I walk into the forest in certain places, I get really anxious. Now let's suppose in this story, right? You weren't paying enough attention and the men all die. Okay. And we transform that suddenly if that was the only reason those things were there, your panic attacks would go away. And when you heard the loud song, you'd say, oh, this is reminding me of what happened in World War I, but I'm not that anymore. Your OCD would just go away because it was trying to help you remember that you weren't paying enough attention. Your over-responsibility, but simultaneous being a little bit careless would go away because you wouldn't be like saying, oh my God, I have to be so responsible for everybody because I'm responsible for their death, but I'm still a little bit careless that would all go away. Your inability to be a leader might go away. You're shooting yourself in the foot and your chronic foot pain that no one knows why it's there probably would all go away because I'd find out it was energetic and you think it's because a rock fell on your foot, but that wasn't it. It was just a, a, an unconscious reliving of something in order to remember something so you could deal with the fact that you betrayed that trust. And if then you could go to those men and, you know, you go to them and say, I am so sorry. And they say, you know, we had to learn that we could take care of ourselves and we were too dependent on you and we weren't paying enough attention ourselves. So like we could have like, you know, not just gone along like lemmings. So we had to all learn that lesson. And then you go, oh, God. I feel free. Yes. And you get, you get all of that in 20 minutes, potentially. I've seen stuff like that happen. Now, I've also seen it happen that I had a woman, all she wanted to do was get her blood drawn, and that took more than a year because there were, like, so many levels that were all in that one symptom, right? You know, it starts off with a blood draw. Well, you could theoretically tap that out or do EMDR, but not if it's going to take you to something you might not anticipate, which would be, well, what is having someone who's an older man stick a needle in your arm, blood comes out, right? Well, she found the most horrendous case of blocked sexual abuse, a blocked memory to it. She had no idea about it, but she always wondered, you know, she wanted to get the blood draw. She wouldn't let anyone touch her. It just occurred to her. She said, I'm just that kind of person, right? And, but the interesting thing about her was that she had been a very high level businesswoman and she went off to, um, get a, a degree, why she had this blood draw was she went off to get a degree, uh, master's in divinity, because she wanted to help people with in their worst situations. Well, she wanted to help people in their worst situations because in another lifetime, she had betrayed a trust in a pretty horrific way. And she said, I have to know what those people were suffering like. And then she was such a perfectionist, right? that she had always, everything had to be just so. Now that was part of her personality, but it was also part of the fact that she felt like it was her fault around what happened when she was a four-year-old, which she didn't remember. So she said, if, I, if I'm, everything is just so, and I can just, I'll never create that again, because she blamed herself for it and for reasons that became clear, then we had to work on that. So like that one little broad draw took us everywhere, you know, so, but every session's a miracle. And the reason it's a miracle is you get more free. Yeah. And I don't promise symptom relief. I say to people, look, if you get done, one of two things will happen. Either your symptoms will go away because they're not necessary anymore, or your relationship to them will change so much that instead of saying, why hast thou forsaken me? You'll say, not a big deal. This is what life required. And I can go and I can feel alive, even if I'm not feeling like good about the situation, because you don't have to feel good about it. You're human. All you have to do is say, well, then I can, I can you know, accept it and including the changes that will happen if I don't, if I don't kick and scream, but I smile with life. So, yeah. um, so that's, I, I guess what I want people to know. And then what I'd say is there are a lot of things you can use, including EMDR, if you know it, or EFT or, or what's called frontal occipital holding, which is what I had you do, which is a lovely thing. They each do slightly different things. But what I do is I find out I ask your deepest wisdom what's needed most. And the way I do that is called muscle testing. And um, what I think muscle testing is, is a way of accessing really chi. It's accessing your life force. It's like when you muscle test, it's like accessing the part of you that is your life force and your deepest intuitive knowing. So, and that's way deeper than your conscious mind. Because if I said to you, Terry, 
how much is two plus two? You say, I can figure that out, it's four. I say, Terry, how come you have panic attacks when you go over a bridge? You'd say, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be coming to see you. So we have to get to a deeper level. And, you know, it might come through in a dream, which I think is a way deeper level than your conscious mind. It's like the power of one to the power of speed of light. You know, it's like getting messages from your soul or, you know, an image comes into your head, like going, you know, like a car in the 1920s, but you pay no attention to that stupid. I mean, why should I pay attention to a car in the 1920s? Because like life is trying to show you something, right? Or your panic attacks, life is trying to reveal something to you. It's like a dream. But then there's a deeper level than that. And we call it she, or we call it, we have no names for it in the West, but we import it a lot from, you know, every Aboriginal culture has them. China, they call it chi. Japan, they call it ki. India, they call it prana or shakti. Everyone knows the word for it except for, you know, the West, the yeah. Renaissancean West that thinks everything is mental and material, but we're learning. But that's what I think we access. And it, it's your life force, it's your deepest knowing. It also makes you stronger, right? So it's when you just know something is true, you say, I know I have to quit my job and do this full time. And I say, you're crazy. You're like, yeah, yeah. That makes no sense. And you say, I know it makes no rational sense, but it makes a deeper sense to me. Or the way it also shows up is, let's suppose, God forbid, you know, you're a younger mother and a car rolls over your toddler and you have to pick up a 2000 pound car and you just pick up that car enough that that kid can get out. Now, if you were using your willpower or adrenaline or anything and saying, I can do this, you would have one result, which is you would hurt your back. But you won't hurt your back when you're aligned with life. And you'll pick up a 2000 pound car enough to get that kid out. So when you're aligned with life, right? What you say and what you do is aligned, you get stronger. And when you aren't, you get weaker. And all I do is, I just have you put out your arm if you can sit with me and I press on it. And if the answer for something is true for you, I could sit on your arm and it would fatigue, but it wouldn't go anywhere. And if the answer isn't true for you, you could use all your willpower and I could press lightly with one finger and you wouldn't be able to keep your arm up. And then you and I become a team and we work on whatever we're told. And that is to find out what your true intention is, where it originated, and if does that being need something other than just sharing their story, like EMDR or EFT or... FOH or tapas acupressure technique or psychodrama or anything you can think of or craniosacral work, whatever it is. And you can ask what's the best one for the person. And sometimes the person knows. And that's why I use the muscle testing. And then now I have to do it remotely, which I could explain to you. But, you know, I can, then someone says, well, how can you muscle test me simultaneously if I'm in like, you know, Hilton Head and you're there? Right. And how can you do surrogate for me? And I say, that's simple to explain. But then you have to open to an even deeper level of wisdom, which is sort of the wisdom of, of cells and holograms. Because it's very interesting, right? We have 3 trillion cells, human cells. We have a lot more than that. We have 3 trillion human cells. And on the surface, they're each different, right? Like snowflakes. But underneath it, the blueprint, the template has to be the same. How do we know? Because you could take one cell and, you know, you're a sheep. You take one of a sheep cell and you create a whole other sheep called Dolly, right? From one cell, which means all of the information that has ever happened is happening and potentially could happen is available to you if you open to the mystical concept that who you are is a cell in the beingness or the body of life. And then everything is happening simultaneously. All the information is there of whatever happened everywhere whatever's happening right now, and even what could happen. And so if you can touch in the template, then of course I can bring my attention intentionally from being this cell over here to this cell over here, where this cell saying, you kidding me? That's a million billion light years away. And we didn't even know there was, we thought there was just empty space until we got this heavy duty telescope, right? But we would know on a whole other level that what happens here is simultaneously happening here. And that leads to a very interesting conclusion which is there is no such thing as regression. You were not, we were not regressing you when you found that woman, right? right? She's here right now. So a lot of therapists believe that what we're doing is regressing you. So let's say we take you into really horrific trauma, which you had in your childhood. They'd say, we have to do that very carefully because you're gonna get re-traumatized. And I will tell you, that's just not my experience because you're not, we're not regressing you. We're having you as witness find someone who's been here for a long time, waiting for you to find her or him or it, whatever it is, right? 
and the her or him or whatever it is could be you right now or you know I had someone who had a history like yours except she ended up differently and you know um it was a horrendous history she had had her uh, she had been raped and incested and she had watched her mother shoot her sister I and mean, really bad oh my stuff. goodness and she came into me with what's called dissociative identity disorder with psychotic features, right? She couldn't account for time and she had bugs crawling all over her and she'd been on a lot of therapy. So I do my diagnostic and I say, um, it says that what, because she was a good reporter when she was a good reporter. It says that when you were five to 10 years old, a dark energy took you over and that's the whole cause of your DID and your psychosis. I'm not saying that all DID is this, but people don't usually think about that. They usually think about the things that allow it to happen. A dark energy took you over. And she looked at me like I had five heads and she said, I'm gonna tell you what happened. She said, when I was eight years old, I was at a fire and brimstone sermon being given by my father, which is an interesting story given what was happening in the family. But she was having trouble already because of what was happening in the family. She was with a psychiatrist and she said, during this sermon, this energy took me over, I could feel it. And I have felt weird ever since. And like, I can't account for it. It's like, it's broken me into pieces. And she said, I told the psychiatrist I was seeing the next day that that happened to me. And he said to me, you're crazy. She was a pretty good reporter. I can believe he would have said that and put her on Thorazine. At which point she made a vow to herself that she would never tell anybody again, except I muscle tested and I said, you know, it says a dark energy took you over between five and 10 years old. I I can muscle test patterns, universal patterns. And there are non-material universal patterns like dark energies take you over or, you know, you're abducted by extraterrestrials or whatever you want, because if you don't open to those things, you may not find the most elegant story. So she said, oh, of course I know what happened. She told me the story. I said, all right, well, that little girl's here and we're going to take care of her. And we brought her back to that moment, that little girl, when that dark energy was taking her over. And it said she was in the right place. She was telling the story of what it was like. And then it said she knew what to do about it. And she had to do something. And she looks at me and she says, I'm supposed to do a dance. And this woman was 116th Cherokee. And she starts to do this amazing dance, right? Like, like she's doing like this dance. It's clearly a Native American dance, but making this unbelievably intricate sacred symbol. And she looks up at me. She didn't know anything about dancing. She looks up at me, you know, about a minute into it and says, like, what am I? doing and then about a minute later you could feel the room shake and get brighter and she said I'm done and that woman had been hospitalized every year at least once for certainly the many years before I met her and you know how many times she was hospitalized after that none zero and I saw her 25 years later because we ended up in a doctor's office together and I asked her how she's been and she said well you know life is hard I mean she still had a hard life and the reason we stopped was that we moved apart from each other and I wasn't doing things remotely in the 1990s. But um, she said, you know, I haven't been hospitalized since. So, yeah. So I'd say what I want people to take from it is everything makes sense and everything is possible and anything can be the problem and anything can be the cause and anything can be the resolution. All you have to do is be really curious and be really engaged and open to open-hearted and open-minded and just say, you're the expert, but you're not really the expert. You're an expert reporter on life. That's why I say, I call it life-centered therapy. If you said, oh, Andy, I think I know why I have this thing. I'd say, to be perfectly honest, why should we ask you when there's somebody else here who knows? So it's not client-centered. I don't really care what your thoughts are about it. (laughs) I care what your deepest wisdom's knowing is about it. So I want your knowing, not your thinking. And that's why we can access it. And we do. And then Oh my gosh, when you just said that, I want your knowing, not your thinking. So I had gotten a message from my dad through a friend who is, uh, um, I don't know, a medium, I guess. And Mm -hmm. uh, she said, I was sitting in church and your dad wanted me to give you a message. No, she had never met my dad. And his message was, stop thinking, just love. Right. And so Thank I've you. used that so often when I find myself thinking and, and, and putting that out. And I'm like, all right, Terry, stop thinking, just love. <laughs> well, I think just love is better than thinking. What I think is, is there's really three things. There's a knowing, right? Yeah. That's a visceral kind of thing. It's really, it's the higher aspect of what we call the belly center. It's when you just intuitively know something is true. Right? Um, 
And that we call, you know, omnipotence. It's really all powerful. It knows everything and it can do anything, right? And then there is omniscience, right? Omniscience is not thinking either. It's saying I can open to every possibility. I'm open-minded to everything which is a very high practice. But then, you know, we have those two words, omniscience and omnipotence, right? Both of which are better than thinking, which is like the lower aspect of the head center. I got to figure this thing out, right? That's not saying I'm open to everything with my wisdom and my open-mindedness. But then there's all loving. And it's very interesting. We create words for all loving, right? But there isn't a word really that's the equivalent of omnipotence and omniscience for all loving. There are words, but... Nobody knows them. And I think it's because being all loving means that there are two. I am loving myself, right? Or I am loving another. And the way you love another is if you really know that who we are is cells, you know, in the body of life, then how could you not love everything or know that everything, everything shines the light of truth on something? It may be dimmer, it may be brighter, you know, it might be vibrating very densely or vibrating very high, but that's just a quantitative difference. So everything has a contribution to make. The only thing is if we do it compulsively, then we never get to experience it, right? Right. Well, so if you say like, you know, I'm not gonna let myself feel, I'm, 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 I do all these things. Let's say you say, I do all these things and I create all these things and uh, I'm always a success, right? Well, let's suppose you were afraid of being a failure or doing nothing. Then you never get to truly experience. You'll do nice things in the world, but it'll be compulsive. You won't be able to stop. You won't be able to slow down because then you'd be afraid of this fear you have about yourself that you do nothing or you create nothing or you're a failure. So you never fully get to experience your success because you're using it as a way not to experience something else. And I think that we call that your personality. So I think everybody's personality is just a compulsion to protect them from feeling a fear. But the fear is just the wrong name for the divine. It's just emptiness, but we call the emptiness by the wrong name because we think it's going to swallow us up. So we spend our whole life trying to get away from who we truly are, which is really quite something. Yeah. Oh my gosh, if I could sit here and talk to you for another, you know, four hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I could talk to you for another four hours too. Yeah. So how, how do people connect with you? How do they find you? Well, they find me in a couple of ways. Okay. Our website is lifecenteredtherapy.com. That's where they can find us generically. We do training, and um, I think you have this from our people, but if they want to learn about our training, we have a free video and then they can come, which I don't think anybody else does. We give you a week to do the online training and we don't make you pay anything. And then if you wanna pay, you pay. So you can have, and you'll learn everything I've told you today within to some degree the first week of our training. So it's pretty valuable and it costs you nothing. And then if you like it, then it costs you something. And then you get um, all of our training, plus you get, um, mentoring calls and we do an awful lot of mentoring you know we do a couple of calls a week and you get it for like six months so and that would cost you an awful lot of money if you weren't doing it through the training if you know someone wanted to be mentored by me and they called me up it costs a lot but this costs relatively little and that is if you want to train with us you go to and i'd have to write this down for you it's go.readyforamiracle.net go.readyforamiracle.net uh, forward slash free, free dash training. So go dot ready for a miracle dot net forward slash free dash training. Awesome. Why did we, <laughs> why do we, you know, make that it's a moment of insanity or something, but, and you can also schedule appointments there too, or if you want to schedule, we have all of our, um, certified practitioners, if you go to our website, which is Life-Centered Therapy, and you go to the section called About LCT, and uh, then in the pull-down menu, it has all of our certified practitioners, and most of them, but not all of them, work remotely, and it will tell you, and it will tell you all about them, and it will tell you how to find them, and finding me is easy. You can find that. Any of the people who are sort of central in our institute, you can find just by going to the website, and, you know, you can ask us questions or anything, and... Uh, Wonderful. Well, yes. I'll, I'll include all of those. I'll include those links in the show. The other notes. thing that's there is you'll start seeing, I've done a lot of remote sessions with people that have been on YouTube or on 
people's um, podcasts or whatever. So you can find, um, you can watch a lot of examples of what I do. Um, we just give commentaries on them if you do the training. So I not only not only do you see them, but you get to hear what the heck's going on as you follow a protocol. And I'll tell you the beauty about the thing. I'll just tell you this, because anyone can do our training, right? Like I once had a 17-year-old girl who was a high school student and her mother, it was her mother, her mother was my organizer. And she said, you know, my daughter's kind of interested. Can she come? I said, anyone can come to our first weekend. We're doing a live then. Sacramento. So we start having people practice quickly, like on the second day. And the 17-year-old girl is matched through the muscle testing with a senior healer who was a very experienced senior healer, right? And uh, she came, she looked at me like, you're going to put me with her? And I said, uh-huh, because the muscle testing said it. She came back an hour and a half later and said, this was the most powerful healing I ever had because it had never occurred to me that there was something non-material from another lifetime. And I can see that this has changed everything. Now, that girl had studied this for one day. You know what she said? She what? said, look, I could sit here and be with her and I, and I could read a protocol and not judge her because all she had to do was read the protocol. Every question that you need is in that protocol. And we, of course, give you the protocol if you're, you know, to our training. But I've been doing this for, let's see, 27 years. I still learn things every moment. And the beauty of this thing is the technology is so good. I mean, think about this, right? We have a lot of people who've never done anything in psychology and they start working with their friends or whatever. And their friends say, you're better than any therapist I've ever run into. And the reason for that is just the simple technology I told you, even if you don't know anything else, if you don't talk about something, which is kind of like trickle down economics, but you experience, choose to experience the body and become it while being with it, I guarantee you, you will do better than with virtually any therapist you'll find who talks about things, even if they're spectacular. Because the technology is just so much better. And if you then know, you can do a diagnosis and find out what the real issue is and where it starts and what they need and not be wed to one thing. I mean, if you're an EMDR therapist, you're gonna just use EMDR, right? But I'd say, why not learn all these different things, which are not, the, the interventions aren't that hard to learn, and then find out what the very best key that would be that would unlock that sort of inner oppression of reliving something. So, um, and you find all that out, we give you, we don't give you all the patterns. Like I would have known that your pattern was a traumatic death before we started. I knew that anyhow, but, but you know, I told you with another story that you would never have considered that the problem was betrayal. And believe me, no one would have ever considered with this woman who was psychotic and DID that her problem was that dark energy took her over at age eight. I can tell you, I, I, you go find me a psychiatrist who's gonna say that. And I'll say, I wanna send my people who need medication to him. Cause I don't, I mean, some people medication, I don't have a problem with medication. I think it does interesting things to people's shoppers, but sometimes it does good shit, you know, sorry. Yeah. It's done. No, it's all good. <laughs> so anyway. Is there anything more you want to say or ask or anything? And then I'll just tell you how grateful I am that you gave me this chance. Oh my gosh. No, I just wanted to say thank you so very much for, for being here, for shining your light, um, for, for touching me in such a profound way. Um, like I said, I, I got that news and I said, for whatever reason, I said, no, I still need to do this podcast. And so I said yes to it. And um, yeah, it's been amazing. So thank you. Isn't it amazing when you don't think about things and you just know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a total joy. And um, I really, I mean, it's been, a, it's been my pleasure. And you, I mean, you've given me a greater gift because I may have given you something, but you gave me an opportunity to share this with a lot of people. And that's why I'm here because I think you can help the world heal and evolve. And, you know, I get up every morning and in that way, I cry. You know, and if you ever do want to do a session, let's see what a complete session looks like. I'll be happy to come back and do it with you. I think you'd find it because you yeah. could do this one I showed you today all by yourself. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it's wonderful. But, you know, if you don't, if something doesn't occur to you, then it's harder to do because it'll never occur to you. And then you have to be very, very open minded to say, oh no, my problem is what? You know, even if you think about it symbolically. Because I teach people like, you know, I don't care if you literally think something is true or symbolically or metaphorically or spiritually. All I care is if it's useful, if you're more free. Yes. But I'd say to people at the end. 
and keep shining your radiant light because it's really a gift. All right. Well, thank you. I thank all of you who are here. Yes. Thank you, everybody. So, um, gosh, thanks for being here today and joining us on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. Thank you.